Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Glad each of you are with us and uh, glad you decided to come and worship with us this morning. Uh, we, we say it often here, but we, we really do want you to feel like you can come as you are. Uh, if you're coming in this place uh, bored with life or stressed or anxious or excited, we want you to come honestly. And that's just not our hope as a church that you would feel that. It really is God's invitation. God invites us to come as we are, and we come knowing that he's going to meet us where we are. Uh, that's our hope every Sunday. And so I'm glad you're here, however you come into this place. We've been in 1 John all summer long. Last week, if you were here, we looked at one verse, the last verse of 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, actually just half of the verse, focusing on the role of Holy Spirit and our need as the church and as Christians to rediscover mystery. And in particular, the mysterious working of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the active agent of salvation, applying to the Christian that which Jesus Christ has already accomplished through his life, death, and his resurrection. We believe salvation comes from God, from the Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, that God the Father authors salvation, God the Son accomplishes salvation, and God the Spirit applies salvation. Two great things that John in this letter has been teaching us that the Holy Spirit applies to us, helps us experience as Christians. And those two things are that we have fellowship with God. We're to walk with God day by day in relationship with Him. And secondly, that we are children of God, secured as sons and daughters of the Father. We've also seen that there are two things that John tells us that can break up or break down our experience of what Holy Spirit is applying to us in our salvation. The two things that can be broken up are our fellowship with God and not experiencing our adoption as children of God. They can be broken up by these things if we don't keep God's commands, disobedience in other words, or if we're not loving one another as brothers and sisters. On the flip side, as we are obedient, as we keep God's commands, and as we love one another as family, we experience more deeply and with more intimacy, fellowship with God, and security and assurance as children loved by the Father. Last week I said that I agreed with historian Hans Borsma that the most urgent task facing the church today is recovering a sense of mystery. That we live in a mysterious world, that God's world is not the modern world that we don't just believe in the observable, tangible, and scientific. We don't believe that there's a separation between faith and science or the supernatural and the natural, that God's world is enchanted, it's mysterious. And Holy Spirit is the active agent of the Trinity leading us in God's world. So if Holy Spirit exists and leads us in God's enchanted, mysterious, supernatural world, then it means there must be other spirits. Therefore, this morning, we're going to dive into the importance of having spirit discernment, spiritual discernment, discerning between God's spirit versus other spirits, God's truth and error. This is exactly where John goes in his letter, coming off the heels of talking about Holy Spirit leading us in experiencing our salvation to this morning, spiritual discernment. So if you're able... I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to God's Word. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come now and lead us into truth. Help us to experience you and to know what is from you and what is true, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray that what's not from you would fall quickly from our ears. What is from you and what is true would be planted deep within our hearts that would transform us and change us as your people. Thank you that you're with us. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Some of you have heard my story, uh, a little bit of my story at least, that I, I grew up because my mother and father decided to put us in the Catholic church. They thought it was a good thing when we were little, and, and they put us in Catholic school, kindergarten through 12th grade. And for that, I'm very grateful. I'll look back with a lot of gratitude of what my parents did and why they decided to do what they did. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for my upbringing. In high school, uh, I decided to leave the Catholic church. Uh, I began to be encouraged by friends, particularly, uh, toward an individual walk with Jesus. I'd been, begun to be encouraged toward reading my Bible personally and praying personally, uh, things that I, I had not really done before, uh, even though I, I was very much in the church. I, there was much personal uh, spiritual practice within in my life. And as I began to learn the importance of personal relationship with the Lord, I got really angry at my parents. I got really angry at the Catholic Church for not encouraging me in these practices, and so I became anti-anything that was institutional. I was anti-denominations for a large season of my life. I was anti-needing corporate worship on Sunday morning because I was growing in my personal relationship with Jesus. And what I did is that I, I overreacted. I overreacted, and I left behind the beauty of the corporate side of Christianity, which I learned growing up. I went from one extreme to the next. Now, I say that because I think every person has the tendency to take things to the extreme. Reformed father Martin Luther used the illustration of riding a horse. He would say that, that Christians were riding the horse, and we have the tendency to fall off one side of the horse, and then we get back on, and we fall off the other side of the horse. We go from one extreme to the next. And when it comes to being spiritual and being led by Holy Spirit, there are two things that Holy Spirit does in the Christian life. Thus, two extremes that we could go. Holy Spirit gives us the experience of our salvation. Holy Spirit mediates God's grace, love, mercy, peace, and justice. Holy Spirit also teaches us truth. Holy Spirit is the teacher of what is right or wrong, truth or error. So within the broader church, Christians can emphasize experience or doctrine. And the tendency to go to the extreme of experience 
can lead to fanaticism, disorder, excess, while the tendency to go to the extreme of all doctrine can lead to barren intellectualism and a Christianity that feels mechanical and dead. Now, some of you have come from backgrounds in which maybe you were extreme in one of these ways, and we're not here to judge the past this morning. I want us to be honest about the present because each of us have the tendency to go to extremes currently. I love what former British pastor theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones said about himself and his church in London. He said, for myself, as long as I'm charged by certain people with being nothing but a pastor about experience, and on the other hand, charged by others as being an intellectual and preaching all doctrine, I'm happy. As long as both critiques come, I'm very happy. I would say, as a pastor, I'm very happy. If I get both of these critiques, that Daniel and Christ Central Church, it's, it's all experience or we're all doctrine, as long as both are coming, I'm very happy. Because what we long for is a balanced Christian life, not extremism in the Christian life. In 1 John, the apostle gives us balance. He brings together two things which can seem contradictory. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's bringing experience to us. And this week in chapter 4, we're going to see the Holy Spirit helps us to discern what is right and wrong. Last week experience, this morning, we're going to delve into spiritual discernment. The first thing I want us to look at is the necessity of spiritual discernment. John begins chapter 4, look with me at verse 1, with a negative statement. John does this a lot in his writings. He'll, he'll have a negative statement for positive instruction. In verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's an interesting way to begin. I mean, John is saying agnosticism, unbelief, can be just as right at times for Christians as belief. The spiritual power led by spirit can be seen in unbelief as much as belief. John says test the spirits. I'm using the word discern. We could use the word discriminate the spirits. That's a dirty word for us today, discriminate. It has negative connotations, understandably, and for good reasons, because many have been discriminated against for terrible and evil reasons. But discrimination, discernment, is not always negative. Every time you open up the medicine cabinet, you discriminate, you discern, what is the proper medicine to take and the proper dosage to take. Civil engineers who are building one city center in the heart of our downtown better discriminate and discern on what the proper stress loads are, what are acceptable and unacceptable. And for, for that, discrimination and discernment or testing, we'll all be thankful when we enter in that building <laughs> in a few months, hopefully. An airline pilot discriminates, discerns, on their landing, measuring the right angle, the right speed. Right? In verse 1, John is telling us that Christians are to discern what is of Holy Spirit's leading and what is of some other spirit, evil spirit's leading. That Christians, we're not to live with our heads in the clouds, never discerning. We're not to be anti-theology, anti-doctrine. Definitions and truth are vitally important for us. And that's hard as well in our current society. 
where relativism rules, right? the belief that you believe your truth that dominates, that no one can define truth but yourself, to give definition is frowned upon today. I was watching a TV show this past week, and someone was celebrating another person, and they said, you go, you believe your truth. And I thought in that moment, that is the doctrine of our day. Believe your truth. Our culture says loving other people is allowing other people to define their truth. In 1 John, God is telling us that loving others and loving God is defined by God's truth. That we are to discern what is true according to God. Now imagine with me, someone walks up to you after you leave Haiti worship this morning. They walk up to you in the parking lot and they've got a, a white coat on and a stethoscope around their neck and they come up to you and say, hey, doing free medical exams today. How about I give you a medical exam? W would you allow them to do that? Are you going to assume that they're a doctor because they dress the part? I would think not. You should discriminate. You should discern whether they really are or are not a doctor. As Christians, we are to discern what is of God and what's not. Not everything that looks the part is the part. Now hear me, I said Christians. That's every single one of us. It's not just my job as a pastor. It's all of our jobs and all of our responsibilities as Christians. Look at verse 4. Little children, you're from God. You've overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. As a Christian, you have Holy Spirit, the teacher who leads you in spiritual discernment. Holy Spirit helps each of us know what is true and what's error. You see this in Acts chapter 17, this responsibility played out. Paul, the apostle, preaches to the Bereans. And Acts 17 says that they received the word of God with eagerness. I mean, here's Paul, the, this incredible apostle who preaches and proclaims the gospel powerfully. But Acts 17 says that the Bereans weren't just gullible and took everything Paul said, hook, line, and sinker. They, they discerned. They, they went home and examined their scriptures to see if what Paul said was true and in, and in accord with the Bible. They went back to the Bible to assess if what Paul spoke was from God. Now hear me saying this. You should never take what I say or what Timothy says or what anybody who preaches from this pulpit says as straight truth. You should always examine what we say with the Bible to use spiritual discernment to see if what's coming from this pulpit is truth or error. And that's true for all teaching, both explicit and implicit teaching and indoctrination. We're not to be easily swayed believing everything, nor are we to be always suspicious and believing nothing. We are to, by Holy Spirit's power, discern, test what is the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Second thing I want us to look at is the the dangers of lacking spiritual discernment. John writes that there are other spirits, false prophets that existed in his day. It was true then, it's true now, it's true actually in the very beginning. In the very beginning of the Bible, it's always been the case for us. See, God proclaimed the truth to Adam and Eve, said, you can eat from every tree in the garden, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the devil comes in and offers up this counterfeit truth. Now, you actually, if you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to see like God sees and know like God knows. 
offers this counterfeit truth from the very beginning. We've always had to discern what is real truth and counterfeit truth. But then in Exodus 7, we see Moses, who's leading God's people out of bondage, uh, out of slavery. He's doing miraculous deeds to, so that Pharaoh will let Israel go. And it says in Exodus 7:22, but the magicians of Egypt did the same things by their secret arts. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 3 says, If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, Let us go after other gods, which you've not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Did you pick up on that? The sign and wonder happens. But they're saying, follow another God. Should not listen to that prophet or dreamer of dreams. And and, in the New Testament, we see this. Acts chapter 8, verse 8. That there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city. And the people of Samaria were amazed by Simon and all the things that he did. He was called Simon the Great. Everybody thought he had the power of God, but he was a magician. All this to say is that there is danger in lacking spiritual discernment in this enchanted and mysterious world. And the danger is that we might believe counterfeit truth. Because there are many who will say that they are a prophet, priest, or king of God, but they are masquerading in their faults. I could go on and on about how this plays out today. It goes as far as someone like Harold Camping, who said the world was going to end on May 21st, 2011, I know people who sold everything, gathered with their family in the middle of the front lawn because they were ready to go and nothing happened. It destroyed their family and their friends and others around them. Carries on to televangelists that we see on TV, to many on our radios, to many who are preaching at houses of worship in our city this morning. God's word is clear. We are to not get close to counterfeit truth. We are to not dabble. We are to be critical and assess based on God's truth revealed in the scriptures. So I want to give you three things that can smell like Holy Spirit. Actually, they can be Holy Spirit, but are not necessarily Holy Spirit that we need to be aware of. Three dangers. The first is phenomena. Phenomena. This could be spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, gifts of healing. This could even be particular results of ministry. When someone has a fruitful ministry, what that normally means in our day is that the the numbers are increasing. But if we hear of someone who's doing amazing things, miraculous things, maybe their numbers are increasing in their ministry, it does not always mean that we should trust that it's from the Lord. It's dangerous to only trust phenomena because evil spirits can work miracles. Evil spirits can draw large numbers. I will say that I do believe God works through gifts. And I do believe God works in miraculous ways. There are stories that I've heard in this community of God doing amazing things in people's lives, and I believe it's true. I'm just saying that we cannot take phenomena by itself as evidence of being from God. The same thing applies to the second danger, which is fervor. Fervor, someone full of excitement. Zeal does not always imply that they have 
and are being led by Holy Spirit, while the quiet, contemplative person doesn't have Holy Spirit. Having great excitement, energy, fervor, right, it's not proof. Person who's dynamic, motivating, who makes you want to run through a brick wall is not always proof of being led by Spirit. A good football coach can be full of fervor and excitement and get a team fired up. Tony Robbins can get passionate and get thousands of people fired up about helping themselves. Even our flesh can put up false feelings. Passion and energy are not always proof of Holy Spirit. It can be, but it's not always. Now, I used to think this was the case. Uh, early in my ministry days, I, I would, I thought, the more I could muster up, the more passion I could portray in the pulpit, the more energy that I provided, the more powerful and more filled by Holy Spirit the sermon was. Fervor can be Holy Spirit, but fervor alone is not proof. Here's the third danger, experiences. Experiences. This, this one is hard because all of you know it's hard to judge someone's experience. And sometimes this feels like the Trump card today, not not Donald Trump, but Trump, like you can't touch this uh, card, especially in our relativistic society, right? My truth, my experience. People can say they've had dreams, they've had visions. Someone can pray and say such and such happened, right? It's my experience, it's my truth. I remember being in China doing ministry uh, and hearing someone share how they felt called to, to ministry in China, that they were in a shower and they looked up and they saw a tag and it said, made in China. And they thought, I'm supposed to go to China. Maybe, maybe not, right? God uses experiences. God uses dreams. God definitely uses prayers. But I'm, not, I'm saying they're not always proof that we're to be discerning if it's true or counterfeit. There's counterfeit truth that comes from the enemy. We don't rest on our experiences. We must put them to the test. So if we are aware of the danger of phenomena, fervor, experiences, right, solely in those things, how do we discern? What is the ultimate test? It's my last point, the ultimate criteria for spiritual discernment. Maybe you've already picked up on some of these, but here's the first. Conformity to Scripture. Conformity to Scripture. Look at verse 6. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Now, I will say that I can't make that claim. I can't say whoever listens to Daniel is from God. Whoever doesn't listen to Daniel is not from God. I'm not an apostle. There are no apostles living today. The apostles can say this. Those who listen to the apostolic teaching are from God. Those who don't are not. And we have the apostolic teaching passed down to us in the scriptures. This is what I was suggesting that the Bereans did. The Bereans had the Old Testament to examine the apostles' teaching. We now have the Old and New Testament, the full canon of scripture. And we must hold everything up and against scripture. And when I say scripture, I mean the whole of scripture. We don't go to extremes. We don't sit in one place of the Bible to drive home one point. We look at the whole counsel of God so that we're balanced as much as we can be so that we're not going to extremes. The Bible, as confusing as it can be in some parts, 
Let me just assure you, God is the author. Therefore, the Bible does not contradict itself. It complements itself. And so if you're confused in one portion of Scripture, use other Scripture to interpret Scripture. Because Holy Spirit is always in alignment and in conformity to the Bible. Here's the second thing of criteria. There's a readiness to listen to Scripture and then abide by Scripture. Now, by this I mean there's a, a person who is teaching the Scriptures, they're teaching the truth, and they also allow their lives and their actions to be molded and shaped by the truth. There are people who will herald the Scriptures, but they don't allow their lives to be shaped by the Scriptures. Now, I know I'm going to sound a little bit like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. If you were here last week and here this week, I'm, I'm just trying to be balanced. I was, especially I'm going to sound a little bit like I'm out of both sides of my mouth in this illustration, but I was reading a book over my study leave about a woman who left vocational ministry. And she left the church. She just kind of got tired and was exhausted by the church. And I loved her book for many reasons, but I wrestled with parts of it. She said she grew weary and that she could go lay down in a grassy field and experience God the same way that she could experience God in church on Sunday or uh, in the scriptures itself. Again, I, I believe we live in an enchanted world, that God does speak to us in nature and in other ways. But what I'm saying is that we should not trust someone who says my inner light or my inner voice of truth is more true than the objective truth of Scripture. You should never listen to someone who does not allow the Scriptures to bend their life to the truth of what they're teaching. Here's the third ultimate criteria. And it's the greatest is that the Spirit glorifies Jesus. I hammered this last week, and I'll hammer it again this week, that the Holy Spirit and someone led by Holy Spirit always has Jesus Christ at the center. Holy Spirit spotlights Jesus. He's always ultimate, not some attributes of Jesus, like his love or his patience or his gentleness, but Jesus specifically, verse 2, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. If Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, is not being preached as sent from God, born of a woman, fully human, suffered, died, and risen, then you must doubt and discern if what is being taught is from God or from the pit of hell. I'm always leery also of people getting on like their preacher horse, or teacher horse, when people are like, man, that person, I love this person, or I love this person in their teaching, or when someone talks about the church and they're like, I love my worship experience at this church over this church. What I listen for and what I long for at Christ Central is that for every single person, all of you and anybody who visits this church, not to leave here going, how great was that teaching or how great was that music, but how great a Savior the attraction that I long for all of you to have is to be attracted to Jesus Christ and for him to receive the glory. Remember, there's a balance in the Christian life. There's a balance in the Bible. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Holy Spirit, manifest power, love, and doctrinal truth. Doctrine and love, experience and power, intellect and mind, 
balance, not extremism. We need spiritual discernment. So my hope and prayer is that you and I would be the whole person, experience, intellect, doctrine, living for and ministering for the glory of Christ. That Christ central would keep Christ central in all things as we allow Holy Spirit to give us experience of our salvation and for Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would lead us by your Spirit, God. Your Spirit applies the, the truth of our salvation. It gives us experience of it and helps us to discern what is and what is not from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would lead us. I pray that you continue to transform us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.